Vox Quick Hits. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has the slimmest of majorities in the Senate. Back in February, when a reporter asked him how he planned to keep his caucus together, he held up his flip phone. This is my answer. I speak to my members all the time. And I have a leadership team that meets Monday night. On that leadership team are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, of course Dick Durbin, and Joe Manchin and Mark Warner. And we discuss it out. And so far, so far, we've had great unity. Democrats have high hopes for doing big things in the months to come. And Schumer's going to be at the center of the action. He's got to keep moderates on board with the agenda. And he also has agitators on his left. He's up for re-election in 2022. And he'd rather not deal with a primary challenge from AOC. Fox reporter Lee Zhou recently interviewed Schumer. She's here to discuss what he told her and how he's thinking. Chuck Schumer told you that he wants big, bold change. Like, a lot in your interview, right? A lot, a lot. What exactly does he mean by that? I think the beauty of a term like that, much like Joe Biden's Build Back Better, for example, is that it is so sweeping and broad that it could mean anything. And yet it sounds quite ambitious, uh, very interesting and exciting. And I think that's the intention behind it. What Chuck Schumer is promising to do is a lot of things. He says he's going to try to put gun control on the floor. He's trying to put voting rights reforms on the floor. And he's trying to consider things like immigration reform and police reform. So that's a whole ton of things that could fall under this category of big, bold change. Um, And it's a lot to deliver on. It's worth noting he has already had some significant achievements as majority leader, which can fall under this bucket too. For example, with the COVID relief plan, there was a huge expansion of the child tax credit, more stimulus checks, more unemployment aid, and just a ton of economic relief um, that was significant and a huge advancement for Democrats. What's his style in trying to guide his caucus? Because obviously he has 50 votes that he needs to keep on everything he wants to pass. How does Schumer operate? He's known for being somebody who has built really unique personal relationships with every single member of his caucus, whether that's Bernie Sanders or Joe Manchin or um, whatever end of the ideological spectrum they may fall on. Um, One of the things that's famously known about him is how much he loves to call people. So he has the flip phone that he carries with him all the time. It's constantly ringing in the middle of press conferences, and he has every member's uh, phone number memorized. So he's constantly reaching out to people to understand where they stand on issues and make sure that their perspectives are included. One thing that's interesting about Schumer, which is especially important given that Democrats only have this 50-member majority, is that he typically lets the caucus lead him to where he wants to go. So he won't move somewhere unless he thinks he has all the votes he needs. On the one hand, I think that makes it so that he's able to incorporate everyone's point of view. And on the other, I think that approach has garnered a little bit of pushback from progressive activists who argue, you know, he is the majority leader. He should be maybe 
pushing people more and putting more pressure on people um, to do more radical things like eliminate the filibuster. Right, because to a certain extent, where the caucus is willing to go right now is sort of where Joe Manchin wants to go. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that, I think, is going to be his biggest obstacle and issue that he's going to have to deal with moving forward on a whole host of issues. And I do think it's worth noting that Joe Manchin is probably the most vocal person. Like, he's really made himself this, you know, anti-filibuster and, like, kind of thorn in the side of, like, certain Democratic priorities. But he also is probably not the only one and that he is kind of indicative of, like, a moderate sentiment within the caucus of not wanting to do too many things that are partisan or more extreme, potentially. So when you talk about Schumer wanting to put gun control or voting rights or even maybe marijuana on the floor, they're obviously not going to get enough Republican votes on that, right? But you sort of hinted at this. What about Democratic ones? Are the moderates on board with some of these big, bold ideas? That's the other main issue that we we don't really know fully yet. But the idea is that there isn't even 50 Democratic votes on some of these priorities. So the For the People Act, which would be kind of sweeping voting rights package, is something that Joe Manchin hasn't signed on yet. And so if that's put to a vote on the floor, it's very possible that you see kind of 49 Democrats supporting it, 51 votes against it. And that would reveal more fractures and splits within the Democrats that's not just on the Republicans. An interesting dynamic, because we have the filibuster, is if you need 60 votes for almost everything that's not a budget bill, you're able to kind of be like, this failed because the GOP blocked it. And if you didn't have it, then you would be blaming Democrats for something not passing because you do have the votes, you just don't have the unity among your members. So the filibuster almost serves as a bit of a cover for some dissension in the ranks. Yes, yeah, exactly. So Schumer seems like he's really trying to walk a fine line between trying to appease moderates, but also trying to manage progressives, especially in his home state of New York. How is he doing on that? Right. He's gotten a ton of pressure from progressives in the past. I think they've had somewhat of a rocky relationship, probably around his start as minority leader during the Trump administration, because he opened with the stance of being like, I am open to making deals with Trump. And this was before, of course, we knew anything about how the president operated (laughs) at the time and, you know, how unreliable he was. But I do think having that position kind of threw a lot of people off because they were like, this is not somebody that, you know, you can negotiate with at all baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, And increasingly, you know, Schumer's position acknowledged that and he has acknowledged that. And then since then, I think he's made a real effort as leader to open up his own office to progressives. So he holds weekly meetings with pretty much every major progressive group and talks to them and like hears them out and, you know, may or may not take their feedback to heart, but at least they have this open channel of communication. Well, and he's up for re-election in 2022 as well. So he doesn't want a primary challenge here in New York, right? Right. And I think the way that progressives have talked about it is like, you know, right now we don't know what that challenge might look like necessarily, but just the threat of that is a good thing Mm -hmm. because that means that's just pressure that's hanging over him to maybe be a bit more ambitious and more progressive than he otherwise might be. And he is, you know, pushing for the legalization of marijuana and taking positions that are more progressive and 
honestly probably the byproduct of a lot of these conversations. So obviously one big looming question is the filibuster. As long as it's around, Democrats have limitations on what they can get done beyond what's going on in the caucus. Do you have a sense of Schumer's thinking here on how he's approaching the filibuster? Schumer's like own position on the filibuster is probably the biggest mystery at the moment. When you look at how he's thought about these types of things in the past, he's typically been more reserved about just going all out and being like, I'm going to change the rules from the get-go. So in 2013, Democrats actually had a similar issue where they were trying to decide whether to eliminate the filibuster on judicial nominees and cabinet nominees. And Schumer was not leader at the time, Harry Reid was, and he really pushed for a compromise. Like, he really was like, I want to keep, you know, some of these nominees bipartisan as much as I can. And he only voted in favor of the rules change kind of at the end when, like, it was clear that was the only option because of how much Republicans were blocking nominees. So I think if we can imagine that type of thinking again this time around, it's probably not going to be a push that's going to happen until all the evidence is there that Republicans are blocking bills without considering them at all, which I think is something we already know, (laughs) but we might need to see play out more for any actual filibuster push to happen. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Lee Zoe is a reporter at Vox, and you can find her on Twitter at Lee S. Zoe. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more episodes and other stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. 